Hello everyone, this is the fifth in a series of podcasts by the British Society of Haematology exploring different haematology guidelines. Um, I should mention uh, in advance that there is some background noise. Uh, we're in central London, so the perils of building work um, may be heard in the background. My name is uh, Dr Chris Fox. I'm a consultant haematologist and honorary associate professor at Nottingham University Hospitals. I also chair the uh, UK NCRI high-grade lymphoma subgroup. So I have a uh, strong interest in aggressive lymphoma and also a, a large practice, both of diffuse large B-cell lymphoma and uh, primary central nervous system lymphoma. So today we'll, we will be talking about a new guideline from the British Society of Haematology. And this is a good practice paper rather than a formal guideline. Um, relating to the prevention of central nervous system relapse in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, um, a British Society for Haematology good practice paper. Now, this is um, a situation uh, with which all lymphoma clinicians will be familiar. It's a relatively rare event in clinical practice, but we all know that it's devastating for patients uh, when it occurs and, and causes much anxiety amongst clinicians. And we should say from the outset that this is a contentious issue uh, and this relates to uh, a lack of robust evidence that, that, that will guide clear recommendations on which patients should or shouldn't receive central nervous system prophylaxis. And secondly, how, how central nervous system prophylaxis is optimally delivered. It's crucial in this uh, particular situation to wherever possible uh, individualise decisions um, clearly there will be um, MDT uh, um, recommendation, but it's really important to involve the patient in, in this decision um, because the, the risk and benefit um, balance is not always clear and the, um, the strength of recommendation for an individual um, is um, quite variable. Now the last guideline from the British Society of Haematology in this um, area was in 2013. So seven years later, we're updating the guidance, and this largely reflects uh, an increasing body of evidence, um, albeit uh, not randomised controlled trial, high level evidence, but an increasing body of evidence to support the use of um, systemic high-dose methotrexate as CNS prophylaxis. So I'm going to talk about the, um, uh, the guideline, the good practice paper, in three areas. First of all, I will talk about the problem of central nervous system relapse, moving on to who should receive prophylaxis, and finally to discuss what the optimal CNS prophylaxis um, may be. So first, the problem. Um, we know that um, most patients with diffuse large B-cell lymphoma will not experience a central nervous system relapse. If we look at the risk across the board for all comers with diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, um, since the introduction of rituximab as a more um, effective systemic therapy, um, the overall risk is probably in the order of 3-4% to across the board. However, we know there is heterogeneity here. It's also important to recognise that the majority of central nervous system relapse events um, involve the brain parenchyma. And it's actually quite rare to, to see an isolated leptomeningeal relapse. This is, a, this is a minority of patients. 
We also recognise that concurrent central nervous system and systemic relapse do occur in a significant proportion of cases, and this can be up to 40 or 50% of cases. And this biologically is a, is a, is a different problem um, because we're faced with a, an issue of potential chemotherapy resistance as well as the issue of drug delivery to the central nervous system. Now, the other key point to recognise is that central nervous system uh, relapse in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma tends to occur early, either during primary systemic chemotherapy or shortly afterwards. And from most of the studies that are published, we see a median time from diagnosis to central nervous system relapse of around six to eight months. And this is um, key to remember when we talk about uh, the optimal uh, method and timing of um, central nervous system prophylaxis. In terms of what level of risk may warrant um, uh, a prophylactic recommendation for an individual patient, this is, this is difficult. Um, the, 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 um, the risks and benefits um, vary amongst patients. It's generally accepted that a risk of 10% uh, or greater is a reasonable um, threshold um, to use and is a commonly adopted threshold um, for recommending uh, CNS prophylaxis for an individual patient. But inherently this means that we will be over-treating um, up to 9 out of 10 patients and so, so a large proportion of patients are potentially receiving uh, central nervous system prophylaxis unnecessarily. Now um, I'd like to talk about who should receive prophylaxis. Traditionally we use the so-called Van Bessian criteria um, together with specific anatomical sites and many of you will remember the Van Bessian criteria involves the presence of two or more extranodal localizations involved with diffuse large B-cell lymphoma together with a high serum LDH. Now this was a useful um, but imperfect tool and we saw some improvement and refinement of this um, predictive score um, with the relatively recent identification of the CNS-IPI score. So this came from a large uh, analysis from the uh, German aggressive lymphoma trial data sets, uh, more than 2,000 patients altogether, and um, was further validated in, in a retrospective data set um, from the British Columbia group. And this identified um, a number of factors, including the traditional IPI scores uh, factors, together with the presence of adrenal and or kidney involvement. Despite this improvement in, in risk prediction, we're still faced with um, uh, up to 90% of patients in the high CNS-IPI group receiving prophylaxis unnecessarily. And importantly, that means that many of the CNS relapses that occur in practice are seen in the intermediate risk group. So what we really need is, is, is a better um, biomarker of CNS relapse risk. And although we don't address this um, formally in the guideline as the data are still preliminary, there is uh, supporting um, evidence um, for um, cell of origin and other biological factors being potentially useful biological uh, risk uh, biomarkers. But we're not yet in a position to be able to recommend these in routine uh, clinical practice. It's also really important to recognise that patients with high IPI, diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, or high CNS-IPI scores also inherently have a significant risk of systemic failure. And uh, RCHOP um, um, is an effective therapy, but for the IPI uh, intermediate and high scores, 
um, the systemic relapse is a much bigger um, absolute risk. So for selected younger patients who have a high IPI, we, we should also think about um, uh, considering more intensive systemic treatment approaches such as, for example, the R-Codox-M, R-IVAC approach, which deals with both the central nervous system relapse um, um, risk with methotrexate, iphosphamide and hydrocytarabin, but also gives more intensive systemic um, therapy. This, however, will be a minority of patients. Where we landed in the guideline in terms of recommendations um, was that central nervous system prophylaxis should be offered to patients with any of the following risk factors. Uh, firstly, a high CNS IPI score of four, five, or six. Secondly, the involvement of three or more extranodal sites, irrespective of the central nervous system IPI score. And thirdly, uh, but importantly, specific anatomical sites. Um, and we particularly recommend this for patients with testicular involvement, renal or adrenal involvement, and also intravascular lymphoma. There are a number of other extranodal sites that have, have been linked to an increased risk of central nervous system relapse, such as breast or uterus, and, and this can be considered for individual patients, but there isn't enough uh, data to support the recommendation per se for those particular groups. So now the perhaps the most difficult area, uh, which is um, how best to um, deliver central nervous system prophylaxis. What is the optimal way to prevent this, this problem? The previous guideline in 2013 um, lent uh, uh, heavily towards the use of intrathecal uh, prophylaxis. And this remains important, an important consideration for some patient groups, particularly those with testicular diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. However, since the previous guideline, uh, there have been a number of large retrospective data sets um, which have not um, demonstrated clear benefit of IT prophylaxis. And these have generally been retrospective analyses of, pr of prospective studies. But there's also been a relatively recent uh, systematic review of the efficacy of IT of intrathecal CNS prophylaxis in, involving uh, 14 studies and a, and a large um, um, total of over 7,000 patients. And it, and it could not be clearly demonstrated that IT prophylaxis um, was um, uh, associated with a reduction in central nervous system relapse in any, in any studies. So summarizing the available evidence for intrathecal prophylaxis, the, the conclusion is that the role is unclear but there is, no, there is no strong evidence to support this as an effective means of reducing CNS relapse risk. It is also rational when we think that intrathecal um, chemotherapy, such as methotrexate, does not meaningfully penetrate the brain parenchyma, and we know that this is the commonest um, compartment of, of, of the central nervous system uh, where relapse occurs. So taken together, we, we feel that intrathecal prophylaxis has a limited role in the prevention of CNS relapse. Now to examine the role of systemic um, prophylaxis, mainly with high-dose methotrexate. Um, again, since the previous guideline was published, we have a number of uh, large retrospective datasets um, exploring the, uh, the role of intercalated or end-of-treatment systemic prophylaxis, mainly with high-dose methotrexate. And within these um, uh, datasets, we see a relatively high, relatively high risk patient groups um, with, cent with central nervous system event rates 
that are much lower than one would expect um, for that level of risk. So down at the 3% or, or less um, event rate. However, we, re we must acknowledge that you know, if we were to design a prospective study to try and power the, um, the intervention of central nervous system prophylaxis, we would need a much bigger cohort um, than these available data. So this is supportive, and although none of the studies um, that we discuss in the guideline uh, could be considered as definitive in isolation, we feel that taken together, um, the, the, the cumulative data does support um, the consideration of high-dose methotrexate as an effective strategy for CNS prophylaxis. I should also mention the particularly difficult group of older patients who um, often have high IPI scores and often, often fulfil the criteria for prophylaxis with, um, uh, for central nervous system relapse. This is a really difficult group because we um, firstly must recognise that we do not want to compromise the delivery of systemic RCHOP. So for example, trying to intercalate hydrosmethotrexate in older patients is particularly difficult. Um, secondly, we know that the risk of systemic relapse is, is, is high, often in the order of 50%, and we, and we should be very mindful about expose, exposing older patients to additional um, toxicities and side effects from central nervous prof system prophylaxis interventions when the uh, risk of systemic relapse may be a, a much bigger potential problem. Again, this should be discussed um, carefully with the individual patients. But, but many clinicians would take the approach of, uh, of waiting till the end of treatment to um, see whether a complete remission was achieved of their, of their systemic disease. As I referred to before, uh, this is balanced against the recognition that early CS events can occur. So what have we recommended um, in terms of um, delivering central nervous system prophylaxis? Um, in the guideline, we say where central nervous system prophylaxis is indicated, uh, high-dose intravenous systemic methotrexate is preferred. We acknowledge this is, a, is not based on a strong evidence base and have graded this as 2C by the grade criteria. We've emphasised that patients' physiological fitness for high-dose methotrexate should be considered, particularly mindful of both cardiac and renal function. And the, the writing group of this, of this good practice paper considered that a creatinine clearance of 50 mL per minute is a reasonable threshold um, um, for delivering high-dose methotrexate. And we've recommended a minimum of two cycles of high-dose methotrexate of at least three grams per meter squared with the shorter infusion time of, three, of, of two to four hours. In terms of the timing of delivery, we have recommended that high-dose methotrexate is delivered as early as possible as part of first-line therapy without compromising the dose or time intensity of the RCHOP treatment. Some clinicians may choose to intercalate uh, high-dose methotrexate within the RCHOP 21-day cycle. If this is considered, then we would recommend that the high-dose methotrexate is delivered relatively early in the cycle um, to minimise the chance that um, RCHOP uh, time, dose and time intensity is not compromised. If we are able to deliver high-dose methotrexate successfully in, in the uh, patients with identified high-risk features, then we don't feel that additional IT prophylaxis is recommended. However, if, if one is unable to deliver high-dose methotrexate or the delivery of high-dose methotrexate is delayed, then intrathecal prophylaxis may be considered 
So it's a very reasonable approach, but there is uh, relatively weak data to support this. In conclusion, today we've discussed the difficult issue of uh, preventing central nervous system relapse in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma in this British Society of Haematology good practice paper. Um, we've discussed the problem of central nervous system relapse. Uh, we've discussed which patient should receive prophylaxis uh, and the inherent imperfections in some of the predictive uh, scores. And we've also discussed the difficult area of what the optimal CNS prophylaxis should be, emphasising the importance of making individualised decisions and um, involving the patient in these uh, difficult decisions. I'd encourage uh, listeners to uh, keep an eye on the emerging literature in this area, particularly um, looking ahead to um, more positively predictive and accurate biomarkers that may emerge from some of the ongoing prospective studies. Thank you for listening to this British Society of Haematology podcast and apologies again for any background noise that you may have heard during the recording of this podcast. I'd like to invite listeners to visit the BSH website to listen to more interesting and important podcasts from the British Society of Haematology about their range of clinically important guidelines.